Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Friday, February 5th. Today on the show, the Nashville Predators had a wild comeback, and we will visit with Titans play-by-play man Mike Keith, who will try to explain what it was like to call a Super Bowl 20 years ago. But we begin with some salary cap news in the NFL. The 440 is built by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. Game plans are a pretty basic part of sports and life. For big major decisions, you need some semblance of a game plan. Some of life's plans can be super complicated like building a custom home or doing a major remodel. There are a million moving parts, budget, design, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, trim, finishes, on and on and on and on and on. This is where the Kingston Group shines. They take an incredibly complex process and they simplify it down so that you don't have to worry about any of it. Because the game plan they've been using for over a decade in Nashville works. The Kingston Group aligns their process with your vision so that there are no surprises. Check out their work at buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com is the website. Information about the NFL's new salary cap is beginning to leak out, finally, and we all knew that it was going to come down pretty substantially from last year's $198 million figure. According to Tom Pelissaro of NFL.com, the number is likely to be around $185 million next year. So what does that mean for a Titans team that has a lot of big-ticket items locked up long-term? Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byard, Ryan Tannehill, and Derek Henry for starters. Well, according to Spotrack, the Titans will roll over roughly $2.3 million in cap space from last year, pushing their total to $187 million and some change to work with in 2021. Well, currently, before John Robinson starts tinkering around with some funky math and restructuring deals and cutting players, the Titans' all-in current budget for 2021 without signing a single free agent is a hair over $186 million. So before any movement or tweaks, the Titans would have $1.3 million in cap space to play with if that number does come in at 185. So who does that not include? Well, buckle up. The current Titans roster at $186 million does not include Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Jayon Brown, Jadavian Clowney, Desmond King, or Daquan Jones to go along with a dozen or so other lesser contributors. Basically, COVID hit at a terrible time for the Titans. They have this tricky combination of big-ticket contracts that are locked into place with a collection of in-house free agent contracts that they probably like to figure out a way to keep during an offseason when a pandemic has reduced their ability to retain some of their key pieces. Just super unlucky, frankly. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. Robinson can work some magic to create some space by reworking some of the deals, maybe cutting some dead weight and or just letting guys like Clowney walk. For my money, I'm targeting Smith, Brown, and either Jones or King as guys you'd like to find a way to bring back. Davis is well worth bringing back, but I just don't see a way that they can make that work under the new depleted cap. Regardless of what they are asking for, or what the cap number lands at, the Titans are just flat out unlucky that so many solid players and rookie deals are expiring in the same year that a damn pandemic sucked the air out of the salary cap. On the bright side, everything else in the AFC South seems to have gone their way this offseason, so maybe this is just the football gods restoring the karmic balance of the division. And last but not least, in John Robinson we trust. Let's see what kind of magic he can work. So here's my Super Bowl take. I am a football fan, like all of you, and I'm going to be transparent today about how I'm watching the game on Sunday. I hate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady right now. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I've always hated Tampa Bay. I'm a UT alum. I've always hated Tom Brady. I have no shame. I have no problem admitting openly as an objective, quote-unquote, little J journalist that I am rooting openly for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes to win back-to-back Super Bowls. I don't want to see Tampa Bay win. I don't want to see Tom Brady win. 
I think the matchup is outstanding. I think the only way you beat Kansas City is if you have speedy linebackers like Levante David and Devin White. Those two actually give Tampa Bay a chance to play with Kansas City. But on paper, Kansas City's the far better team. And in my head and in my heart, I hate Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you today on the show. I am openly rooting for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to win another Super Bowl this weekend. I'll take Kansas City minus the points. I think they're too good. They were the premier team in the NFL for the entire season. I think it happens again on Sunday. And I just, I think all of us can agree that we just don't want to live in a world where Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl. Well, certainly everyone has takes about the Super Bowl. You just heard my opinion. But I wanted to give Titans fans and just football fans a little bit of a different view into the life of the Super Bowl and what it's like to cover a Super Bowl and, in fact, call a Super Bowl. We had Mike Keith on Lamestream Sports this week for over an hour to tell a lot of stories about his job, how he got the job calling Titans games, the challenges of his job both in 2020 and throughout his career. But I wanted him to relive and for you to hear what it was like for him as a young broadcaster to call the biggest sporting event in the world, the Super Bowl. So I was freaking out. When I saw Tina Turner, I freaked out. I lost it. For 25 minutes before the game, I lost my mind. And I'm like, I, I don't know that I can do this. I think I'm going to jump. Um, I, I, mean, I, it was, I, I, was, I started to have a panic attack. And Pat Ryan said to me, Mike, it's Powell against Halls. He said to me in the 24th game what I said to him in the first game. And you, you just go back to it and you just – you're calling – it's just a ball game. Now, the challenges of it are the breaks are longer. There are more commercial breaks, so the game itself is longer. So you have to physically be prepared for the fact that one of the greatest things in the world about an NFL game is it lasts three hours. That's it. Good night, everybody. College games last four hours oftentimes. And I, I think college has some things over pros. You know I'm a college fan. But one of the things that the pros definitely has over the college game is it's a three-hour game. The Super Bowl is not. You're going to have a longer halftime. You don't have other scores of other games. So you're not going to be able to go to the scoreboard host the same way that you do in other situations. You are probably going to have some more sponsor things that you have to take care of because, listen, the rights holders should try to make more money if their team goes to the Super Bowl. They the the local station has to pay a fee to carry the game. The only station that carries the game is the flagship. Everybody else has to carry the network broadcast by NFL policy. So they're trying to make as much money as they can. The other part of it, too, is you've generally been on the air that day for about six hours because you're, you're going to do everything you can to take advantage of the fact that you're carrying the Super Bowl. So you're going to make as many bucks as you can and try to have as many people listening as you can, you know, for obvious business reasons. So the challenge of it is it's going to be long. You're probably already a little winded by the time you get to the game. You've got to calm yourself down and just really focus on, on basics, blocking and tackling, thing in terms of what we do, blocking and tackling, call the play, do the commercials, make sure you're into it. And it, it's a real it's a real challenge. Special thanks to Mike Keith for joining us, of course, one of the great storytellers and one of the great stories of broadcasting in the state of Tennessee. 
and in the NFL. We greatly appreciate his time, of course. Again, for the entire conversation, over an hour of storytelling about Titans broadcasts and Titans stories and all kinds of fun stuff, please go check out Lamestream Sports right here on the 440 Sports Network. Anywhere podcasts are found, myself and Steve Cavendish are your hosts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. I think if you're a Titans fan or just a football fan, you're really going to enjoy Mike's storytelling. So please check out the show and share it with just one person. That's all I ask. This weekend is obviously all about football, but that does not mean a whole bunch of other stuff isn't happening. The Predators were on their way to an 0-3 start to their four-game Florida swing, but two goals in the final two minutes and a well-timed overtime line change gave the Preds a 6-5 W, two points, and their first road win of the season. Philip Forsberg almost committed a too-many-men penalty, but avoided it and found himself alone with the puck and buried the game winner. It was his second goal of the night and his fifth point in the Wild Affair in South Florida. Matt Duchesne scored his first two goals of the season, and Ryan Johansson didn't play in the final 26 minutes of the game. The two points were incredibly important, and the comeback was thrilling, but the issues still very much exist with this team. Outside of the miracle comeback, the real story was bad defense, terrible special teams, and the fact that John Hines had to use both of his goaltenders. Nashville is back on the ice Friday night against the Panthers to finish the road trip before getting a few nights off and returning home to host, wait for it, the defending cup champions on Monday and Tuesday night. Belmont won their 16th consecutive game on Thursday night over Eastern Illinois and are now 13-0 in the OVC. They will try to make it 17 straight on Saturday against SIU Edwardsville. As of the time of taping, the Tennessee-Kentucky game is still scheduled for 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night. It is the first of the two most important games of the season, in my opinion. And the Vols are just one game up on the Cats in the SEC standings after a loss to Ole Miss on Tuesday night. The 440 is built by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. So let me give you guys some quick insight into how my marriage works. My wife is a big-time planner. She's the idea person. She comes up with the big concepts. I'm the doer. I execute. She's ownership. I'm the general manager. And we like everything to be carefully processed and analyzed on the front end, especially if you're going to spend a whole lot of money on something, like, say, a new home or major remodel. And you know who else is like this? The Kingston Group. Except they will do all of that heavy lifting for you. And this is what the Kingston Group does. They align their process with your vision. I'll let their work do the talking, though. Go check out their stuff at buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Tyler.